Hello, hello. How are you? This is Craig Beck, I think. Um, I'm exceptionally jet-lagged. So forgive me if I'm a bit rambly today. Um, I've just been to San Francisco for my son's graduation. He just graduated with a master's degree from San Francisco State. There we are uh, with the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, So very proud dad here. But my God, is that a long journey. Uh, three flights it took to get home to Cyprus. Um, I set off traveling Sunday afternoon from uh, SFO, and I just got back a few hours ago. It's Tuesday morning. The last time I went to bed was Saturday night. It's Tuesday morning. My God. So I'm completely jet lagged, but uh, it was uh, absolutely Wonderful occasion. Very proud to be there. So uh, just a reminder, if you've just jumped in on this video and you're worried about your drinking, don't be one of those people that sits on the sidelines and thinks about this forever, because honestly, you can spend the rest of your life thinking about whether you should go sober or not. Take action. Join today's free quit drinking webinar at stopdrinkingexpert.com. You will even get a copy of my best-selling book, Alcohol Lied to Me, as a free gift just for turning up. All right. So today, I want to talk about a really, really uh, powerful point, a difficult situation, and a question that many people have, and that is, how do you stop drinking if your partner still does? And more than that, how do you stop drinking when alcohol is kind of one of the pivotal points of your relationship? You know, I've talked to people in the past where they kind of, they wouldn't have got together if it was not for alcohol. And then one person in the relationship wants to remove it. It causes problems. How do you deal with it? Uh, I want to talk about that today because I got an email while I was away from MM in the Netherlands. And let's read this because I think it's really interesting. Hi, Craig. I was sober for the whole of 2020 and 2021. Now I saw alcohol creeping back in the last year and I decided I'm done with it. My husband was honestly glad that I started drinking again. He thought that I was boring without alcohol. And he was saying things like, well, you know, you get cancer from everything these days. Had lots of justifications to drink. So I stopped drinking and I didn't say anything this time. I drink alcohol-free wine at the weekend. So I feel like I'm joining in. And so he sees me joining in. But now we've got into a conversation about alcohol, and he says, I'm mentioning it a lot. I really thought that I wasn't. I'm only two and a half weeks sober. I thought I wasn't preaching and tried not to be judgmental or push soberness. I really felt I was super quiet about it all this time, almost sober in secret. I truly don't understand how different we both recall these last few weeks. This is very difficult, tricky, and lonely. I don't want to judge or preach, but for me to be sober, my brain really must believe it is poison. It is true that I am a quiet person. I'm not a big talker. With alcohol, there were more in-depth, longer conversations. It's not fun that all the people around me find me boring and exaggerating. I think that's probably the wrong word. Uh, I'm trying to think of what word you meant to use exaggerate. I'm pretty sure exaggerating is the wrong word, but we'll go with it anyway. Um, He also thinks I'm exaggerating when I try to educate our kids about alcohol. This is not so fun 
this is a not so fun day in my sober journey. Uh, and I feel it all because there's no numbing uh, option of alcohol. Sorry, long rant. Is there any advice? MM, the Netherlands. All right. It's a great subject and it's a tricky subject. Um, where do we start here? Okay. First of all, I don't know whether you you were right or he was right. I don't know whether you were being completely discreet and silent about this or he's right and you were talking about it all the time. I don't, it doesn't matter really because it's you don't have to talk about it all the time for him to perceive that you are. It's this is this is a psychological warfare now, all right? And you are the catalyst to some uncomfortable feelings within him. All right. And this this is not your intention. I get that. You didn't start this sober journey to upset your husband or to cause him any sort of pain. That much is obvious. Otherwise, you wouldn't care enough to send the email. But the fact is, all consumers of alcohol to a problematic level know at the back of their mind that what they're doing is insane. That it is unjustifiable. And the evidence is everywhere if you look at it. You know, the marketing around this drug would have you believe that this is just a harmless social pleasantry, right? No harm in alcohol as long as you drink responsibly. Well, okay, A, first, bullshit. Even if you drink responsibly, there is still harm in alcohol. And B, drink responsibly is the most pointless statement ever made because the drinks manufacturers know full well that their biggest customers, their biggest spenders, do not have the capacity to drink responsibly. So that's a pointless statement. So alcohol causes harm. No matter whether you, you you drink a little bit or a lot, it's causing harm just on different levels. All right? So that's the first thing. And when you're a problem drinker, no matter how much BS you tell yourself, no matter how much you lie to yourself where you say, but, you know, this is my only way to relax or you have to have a nice glass of red wine with a meal. It brings out the flavors. Or, uh, you know, if, if if you had my problems, you would drink. Or whatever you've been saying to yourself for years, no matter what you say to yourself, there's that lurking doubt at the back of your head where you go, I'm drinking poison every day. I'm drinking poison that's been proven to destroy my internal organs, cause cancer, cause depression, cause anxiety, cause a whole host of mental health problems, to cause me to age dramatically quicker than I should do. And the list goes on and on. You know this because you're an intelligent person, and you have to constantly keep pushing it down. You have to constantly keep pushing it out of your thoughts. And for the most part, you are successful in this until some goody two-shoes comes along and goes sober on you. And now you've lost something really powerful. You've lost social proof. You've lost, you've lost what you perceive to be safety in numbers. Because that's what drinkers like. Drinkers like to be able to look around and see other intelligent people also choosing to drink poison. Because in their head they can go, but if he does it and he's super smart, then it must be okay. <coughs> Excuse me. If my wife does it or my husband does it, I really respect them. They've got a good brain on their heads, you know, and on, on their shoulders. It must be okay. It's nonsense. There's no logic to it, 
but we love safety in numbers as problem drinkers. So MM, when you stop drinking, it doesn't matter whether you talk about it all day long or you never mention it. He's got eyes and he's got a brain and he's noticed that he's lost something powerful. He's lost safety in numbers and he wants it back desperately because he doesn't want to stop drinking. And he also doesn't want to carry on drinking, feeling terrible about himself. So he he has to kind of attack you because he wants the pain to go away. So that's why he was happy when you started drinking again, because the pain went away for him. And you might think, well, Craig, but surely my husband loves me enough to want what's best for me. And the answer is kinder. But this is not just about your husband. Your husband plus alcohol is a completely different person because alcohol turns us into terrible partners, terrible parents, terrible friends, terrible workers, terrible everything. Us plus alcohol equals a lesser version of us. So this is not about who your husband is as a person or whether he's a good person or whether he loves you or anything like that. What you're witnessing here is what alcohol does to the morality and actions of your husband. You should see this as more motivation to carry on with what you're doing, not less. Because if it can take someone who loves you and make them, manipulate them to act against your best interests, how does that make you feel about this drug, this harmless social pleasantry that's perfectly fine if you drink it in moderation? It should make you hate it even more. So, look, I wouldn't get too worked up about whether you talked about it lots or not at all. This is, this is not a, really about you. This is about a psychological war going on in the head of your husband. There is pain inside him, psychological pain that has been triggered by his behavior and your sobriety, all right? And as human beings, we are pretty basic. We, will, we are motivated by only two things in life, the need to avoid pain and gain pleasure. That's, that's it, everything we do, avoid pain, gain pleasure. But the thing is, we will do significantly more to avoid pain than we will do to gain pleasure. So if you think about this from your husband's point of view, he's feeling psychological pain. How does he get from there to pleasure? How does he get the pain to go away and get to the point of pleasure? Well, the answer to that is quit drinking. That lurking doubt, that psychological pain goes away. His life starts getting better because he's no longer drinking poison. He arrives at pleasure. But we know that he's more likely to just try and make the pain go away and forego the pleasure. So to make that pain go away, that psychological pain, what's easier? To stop drinking or to try and get you drinking again? Now, the chances are he's not consciously doing this. This is a subconscious thing. The evil clown is pulling his strings. But he will try and get you drinking again because that is the path of least resistance. That is the easiest path that results in the removal of pain from his psyche. So try not to take this personally. I know that's really, really hard because it's your husband 
And he's supposed to be, you know, he's supposed to be the person that's on your side 100%. But this is not about him and his feelings. This is about the evil clown playing your husband like a puppet, making him dance. And he's making him do a dance that hurts you because he wants you back in the fold. He wants the return of safety in numbers. And how do you deal with this? Well, look, it is super tough when alcohol is a key facet of your relationship. In most situations, what I say to people is, you have a sit down with your partner and you explain warts and all, sparing no detail, just how miserable alcohol is making you, how it's hurting you, how you feel about yourself. This is not about you being a party pooper. This is not about you spoiling the fun or being a killjoy or anything like that. You need to sit down, have a sober conversation where you're both sober and it's not a hurried one, you know, as one person's leaving to go to work. This is a, hey, we need to talk, sit down. And you need to explain in detail just how awful this drug is affecting you and how miserable it's making you, right? Um, and then you ask them to help you on your journey. You say, look, this is what I, this is what I need to do. This is, don't use the word want because there's a huge difference between the word want and need. You know, if you go for a job interview and uh, they say, what are your salary expectations? If you say, I want $100,000 a year, that's a, lot, a much weaker statement than saying I need $100,000 a year. Need is basically saying I can't accept anything less. So when you're talking to your partner, you say, this is what I need. I need to stop drinking, and this is what I need from you to help me do it. Explain what you need. So it'll be different for everyone. You know, you might say, when we go to a restaurant, order me an orange juice without even asking me. Don't ask me if I want wine. Don't ask me if I want a gin and tonic or anything like that. Order me orange juice without me even having an opinion. That might not work for you, but that might work for someone else. You see what I mean? Just come up with what you need and give it to your partner and ask them, will you do it for me? Will you help me? Get them to say yes. Get them to actively engage in the process. If you can, ask them if you can have an alcohol-free home. You At no point are you saying to them, I want you to stop drinking. You carry on drinking as much as you want. That's your choice. I'm never going to nag you about that. You drink if you want to. But can we have an alcohol-free home? And in my experience, it's a 50-50 answer here. 50% of partners will say, yep, I love you. I support you. We can do that. I'm still going to go to the pub and I'm still going to drink. But yeah, okay, alcohol-free alcohol home. And the other 50% will say, no way. How dare you? you're a killjoy, you're spoiling my fun, how dare you do that? Okay, fine. So if you're in the latter, where they're refusing to have an alcohol-free home, then ask for a compromise. Say, can we have an alcohol-free home for a month, for 21 days, for three weeks, whatever it is? If they still say no, then you're probably into a deeper conversation, but you're just going to have to tough it out. Um, this is where you get into areas where you know, this this action does shine a spotlight on your relationship. Um, and you have to ask some serious questions. You know, a lot of people look at me and they say, Craig, you quit drinking and then you got divorced. 
Is it true that sobriety destroyed your marriage? And to that I say, no, my uh, marriage was uh, destroyed long before I got divorced. It's just that alcohol prevented me from doing anything about it. I was in a zombified state for about five years of my marriage, sleeping in separate bedrooms for three years, but so anesthetized by this drug that I was just kind of sleepwalking through life. My career was going downhill. My health was going downhill. My finances was going downhill. My marriage had died years ago, and I didn't even notice it. I got sober and started looking at my life and went, huh, that's broken, that's broken, that's broken, that's broken. And I started working on each area of my life to fix it. So it's not that quitting drinking killed my marriage. Quitting drinking gave me the clarity to understand what was going on in my life. But that's a whole different subject. So uh, MM, so to return to your email here, look, the most important thing here is that you stick to your guns, all right, and you understand what's going on. This is not a personal attack. This is a reflection of the internal psychological pain in your husband. This is a decision you have made for yourself. Uh, And I understand that you want to preach to your children because you don't want them to make the same mistakes that you made. But in the interests of harmony in your house, in your home, don't. You don't really need to, okay? Because your children, uh, I don't know how old they are, but generally after the age of seven, kids are going to do what you do, not what you say, unfortunately. You know, my dad always used to say to me, do what I say, not what I do. Uh, Tough luck, dad. It doesn't work like that. Your kids are watching you. They're observing you. And they're more likely to replicate your behavior than pay any attention at all to what you say. So don't feel like you have to be this big motivational speaker for your kids. They will observe what you're doing. They're not stupid. They'll work it out. And if you don't lecture them, it takes a little bit of the pressure off at home. Don't preach to your husband. Don't go, you know crazy about how how wonderful it is to be sober. Have that as a private victory. Notice it in yourself. Keep a diary if that helps. You know, make a note and track your journey. This is a solo journey. It's about you, your health, your decision. This is not about anyone else. I always describe this, MM, as a tightrope walk. I know you want your husband to come with you, but you can't walk a tightrope holding someone's hand. They can go ahead of you. They can follow behind you. But you will make this journey on your own. And that's fine. That's how it's supposed to be. So stick to your guns. Stay quiet. Celebrate your victories in private. But do not bend on your position on this. It is what it is. And he'll have to get used to it. This is who you are. And if he doesn't like who you are without alcohol, then he doesn't like you. And then you've got a bigger question to ask. So I'm sure it, do- I'm sure it won't come to that. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm just saying to you, look, this is important to you. You're not going to make a fuss about it, but you are not going to bend or weaken your stance on it. This is an important decision, and it's not up for debate. It's not up for negotiation. This is who I am. If you think I'm boring, tough shit is my thoughts on that. (laughs) 
So uh, thank you for the email. I love it. Uh, great question. One that comes up very often. Uh, if you have got a question you want me to address in the, in this podcast, send it over to me, Craig at craigbeck.com. Don't forget, if you're worried about your drinking, do something. Go to the website, stopdrinkingexpert.com and sign up for today's free quit drinking webinar. Thanks. See you in the next episode.